Okay, let's uh, begin in Matthew 6. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians 2 to begin with, but I want to just look at a few verses here. In Matthew 6.23, Jesus said, But if your eye is evil, turn to Deuteronomy 28. I I could read it out of this, but... In verse 23, Jesus says, but if your eye be evil, the New King James says bad, uh, but he says, if your eye is evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. Now, in Deuteronomy 28, verse 15, read verse 15. And in verse 54, it says, So that the man that is tender among you and very delicate, his eyes uh, shall be evil toward his brother and toward the wife of his, his bosom and his children and so on. So it talks about, in this verse, about the evil eye. And also, I believe it's in verse 56 where it talks about the woman having an evil eye. So in this chapter here, chapter 28, the context is either obedience or disobedience, and what the verses that we read, the context is disobedience. So disobedience is one thing that will result in having an evil eye. So then my question is, do you know what an evil eye is? Jesus mentions it several times, and we'll look at another verse. It's, it's mentioned in Proverbs and in Deuteronomy twice. And the reason why I use the King James because if, when you get to another translation, it changes the word. Uh, and if you do a search for that, you want to search it in one translation so you can see where it's translated you know, in various places. But one of the meanings of the word evil here, evil eye, is hurtful. And many times the individual, because of how they look at things, because of how they perceive things, their eye becomes hurtful to them. Jesus calls it an evil eye. Um, If if a person is in disobedience, just like we said in, um, we read in Deuteronomy 28, if they're disobedient to the Lord, then they are going to see things differently than if they were obedient to the Lord. That's just the way it is. And that eye, that type of eye, is hurtful to them. And we can have that as Christians. Any Christian can have that. And what what happens is they look at things, they see things, and rather than allowing the Lord to show them, to teach them, or not speaking certain things that are in their heart so that the Lord can do things in them to heal them. So one meaning is that their eye becomes hurtful to themselves. Another one, um, I looked at, um, I believe it was Lowenita's lexicon. It says bad in character. So there's something wrong, not with the physical eye. This is dealing with the eye of the soul or the eye of the spirit. And in Proverbs, it says this, a man with an evil eye hastens after riches. See, he sees something, and he's seeing it through his natural mind. He's seeing 
uh, what he wants, his desire goes out toward that, toward riches. And then it goes on and says, and he does not consider that poverty will come upon him because of this evil eye. He wants, you know, that's what he wants. That's what he's going for. That's what he's going toward. Now in Mark, you don't have to turn there. This is Mark 7, verses 20 through 23. And he said, Jesus, what comes out of a man, that defiles a man. Now, he's talking about, of course, the speech. But remember, the speech is linked to the heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So this is dealing with a certain character in the, or characteristic in the individual. What comes out of, out of the man, that defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of man, proceeds evil thoughts. And he goes on and he says adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lawlessness. And then he says this, and an evil eye. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. So an evil eye and other qualities in relation to 2 Corinthians, turn there, in relation to 2 Corinthians 2, verse 15. See, when, when the Lord looks at me, what is he seeing? When the Lord smells, what is he smelling from my life? Remember in the tabernacle that they burnt the incense, they would have a fire, and they would put the incense upon that, and the incense would permeate, I believe it was the holy place. Not the holy of holies, the holy place. And that was according, the incense was according to the, so to speak, recipe that the Lord had shown them to, shown Moses to concoct, so to speak, and they would use that because that was that particular thing, doing that in obedience to the Lord, would be a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. So in 2 Corinthians 2, it says this, verse 15, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ. Now that is to say, if the Christian is walking with the Lord, if the Christian is in Christ, that now they have a certain odor to them, a sweet-smelling fragrance, that fragrance of Christ. So that if, if we live in a certain manner, and we are walking with the Lord and obeying Him, then our life is a fragrance of Christ. But if we have an evil eye, or if there are certain negative characteristics in us that mingle with that which the Lord maybe is working in our life. So that maybe, you know, we are more interested in a particular direction than the will of God. Or we're interested in a particular thing, doing a particular thing, rather than, you know, abstaining from that then there will be a different fragrance coming out from the individual. So that if, if we are perceptive as Christians, we can be around certain people and actually perceive a different odor there than should be there. 
And that can be seen, seen in the manner of living. But even if you don't see the manner of living of a person, you can smell something that it's not quite right. Not, not that you're going to judge them, but I'm just you know, saying that Jesus is to be our, our focus. He's to be the one that we're moving toward. And if, as he says here, if we are the fragrance of Christ, we are to be that. Among those, verse 15, who are being saved, those who are being sanctified, those who are moving on with the Lord, those who are interested in having the Lord uh, in their life, and you know, having his way in their life, those who are being saved, those who are being sanctified, and among those who are perishing. So this particular odor, of course, it's not a natural odor. It, this is something that is moving in the spirit realm. That odor is perceived even by those who are perishing. So that they'll come around and they may not want to be around you for very long. I've had that happen to me at work. You know, where somebody will come and either they'll change you know, their speech and apologize for what they said. Not that I was looking for that or want that, but they perceive something. Not that they may think, oh, you're religious. They may, well, he's religious, but it's something far beyond them. You know, he's religious. There's something else. So they're perceiving something, and there is an odor to you. There is to be an odor that we give off as Christians to other Christians and to the world so that the world knows that there is something different about you. They may not know anything about you. They may not know even who you are. I had an individual say something to me some years back. I never met the person, ever. They didn't even live in Pittsburgh. They lived up north. And I said something to the individual, just in casual conversation. They were in the uh, facility where I was working for one week in training. And I said something else to them another time. And the person said something to the effect of, you know, I, I could see the Lord in you. And I didn't even tell him I was a Christian. It was really strange. And, and then he said, said something about, you know, your light is shining here. So there was something that he perceived. And that may happen to you. And even if somebody doesn't come up to you, they see something. They'll know something's you know, with you. Up with, you know, they'll say something's different about it. They may not want to admit it. They may label it as fanaticism. They may label it as you're religious or whatever. But they'll notice something. So Paul here is saying that we are to God, to the Father, the fragrance of Christ, first of all. See, so for that to be what it is to be in my life means that I must walk a certain way and I must be willing to go along, so to speak, with the program that the Lord lays up out for my life, whatever that may be. So if that is what's going on with you, then you are to God the fragrance of Christ. 
and among those who believe and are saved. You're the fragrance of Christ to them. It's always nice to be around another Christian who is walking with the Lord. It's always nice. There is a fellowship in spirit. There is a fellowship in the circumstances of life, if you know what I'm saying, where you know they may be going through that. Most likely people could go through all kinds of stuff. You're walking with them, they're going through things. And you've gone through things or you are, you are yourself going through things. So it's nice to be around those who are walking with him. And then he goes on, as I said before, and we are also of the fragrance of Christ among those who are perishing. Now this incense, the smell, is, is related to the tabernacle. Uh, but I just want to read a couple verses. Let's turn to Ephesians 5. You see this thought in various places in the New Testament. And if you would just read the verse, you may not be able to associate that with the tabernacle. But remember, you're dealing with Paul, who was a Jew, and who studied the law, who understood the law, who understood the sacrifices, who understood the tabernacle. It's the same with Peter and, and the others. So they were very well aware of the old covenant, and they were very well aware of what the Lord was doing now, in their time. In verse 1, chapter 5, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Well, that's pretty good. If you want to imitate, imitate the Lord. Follow the Lord. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Remember, as I said, dealing with the sacrifices, there was a sweet aroma that pleased the Lord. Well, that's to be our life. That was Jesus' life. That is to be our life. And we can't expect that to be fulfilled with us today if we're going to walk in sin and we're going to walk another way. In Philippians chapter 4, and I have this in several other translations, verse 18. Indeed, I, I have all in abound and am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, and acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And in today's English version, it says, they are like sweet-smelling fragrance and offering acceptable to God. The NIV says, they are a fragrant offering. See, that, that phraseology comes from the Old Testament. An acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. So back in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 15, when I study many times, I'm looking in a verse, not always, but um, I'll open up the interlinear and I will look at the Greek words and sometimes I'll look at the meanings. And it was it's interesting, some of the things you find out, you, you start to understand that the English language, we've stolen many, many words from Latin, from Greek, and other, other languages. And this word here, savor, is, I believe that's in the King James Version, a sweet-smelling savor. Uh, some translate that as aroma. 
but the root word is ozo, O-Z-O, and the word means smell, and that's where we get the word ozone from, the English word ozone, ozo, that's a, it's a Greek word. So even in the natural, ozone is, it has a smell to it, an odor to it. So he's relating this Greek word, this smell, Okay, we are to be this sweet-smelling savor, the savor of Christ to all those around us, Christian and non-Christian. So that's to be our life. That's to be what we are. Verse 14, let's back up to verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us, you understand that? Through us, King James says manifest, through us diffuses, is what the New King James says, diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. So how's he going to, to diffuse or manifest his knowledge in every place? Well, it's going to be by you and I who live for him because we go into the places. You go into places I don't go into and so on. You don't go where I go. So um, the Lord had me do something I've never done at work Oh, I don't know how many, maybe like three or four months ago, I was at my desk working, and the Spirit of God said, go to the CEO and lay your hands on him and pray. <laughs> so, well, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> she told me what to pray for. I said, okay. So I went, and I walked in, and I said, I'd like to pray for such and such and such and such here in he said, okay. So I went over and laid my hand on him and prayed. And I was done. I was walking out. He said, well, that's the only thing we can do. So you don't know, you know, how the Lord will use you. You know, I, I did that, and I believe that something there he saw that is going to do something in the future. I don't know. I don't know. So we'll see. But nevertheless, if, if you do something like that or not, it doesn't change the fact that you are to be living for Christ. Not like the one individual I've told you about before that I work with. You know, he'd, hey, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And all, you know, oh, upbeat about it, oh, praise the Lord. And not an hour later, he is swearing and yelling at an individual or at a supervisor. So what kind of witness of Christ is he showing people? Now he's showing them that Christians are hypocrites. So you know what? There needs to be someone there to show them the opposite. And it always seems as though the Lord has someone. And so you live your life and let somebody see that. You know, forget about the contradiction there. You live your life and, and that's it. And people will know. And they'll know even though there's a false thing there. And even though they may believe that they are this guy's a hypocrite. I've had people even say that to me. You know, he's a hypocrite, and I know why they said it to me. But see, that's not my concern. That, to me, that doesn't affect the gospel at all. I mean, he shouldn't do that. I mean, as far as, as my living my life for the Lord, it doesn't affect me. Now, he shouldn't do that for the benefit of other people. But, I mean, that's just the way things are. I mean, you can't, you can't live someone else's life for them. They have their time, and they live their life 
And when it's over, then they're going to have a reckoning. Chapter 11, 1 Corinthians 11. We looked at this last week. I think it was last week. Maybe it wasn't last week. A couple weeks ago. When we looked at communion, the Lord's Supper. Chapter 11, verse 28. But let a man examine himself. So self-examination is not bad. You see that in various scriptures. Now that doesn't mean that because you fail that now you're downtrodden and you know your life is worth no. It's talking about look at your life, look at what's coming out of you. You you, you have the ability at work to to look when it's when you say things and you do things, what's coming out of me? Ask the Lord to help help you, to show you, maybe when you're around somebody you don't like. Ask him to show you what is coming out of you. Let a man examine himself. Because if you're able, but because of the Spirit of God, if you're able to see something is coming out of you that is not good or is negative, that's the first step. That's the unveiling uh, of the eyes or the heart. You know, that's the first step now for a change. Because now the Spirit of God can change you into the image of Christ. But let a man examine himself. Well, not just because he's going to put a, a piece of bread or grape juice or wine in his mouth. No, let him examine himself to see what's going on. Is he self-centered? And what went on in the workplace with this individual was all about him. In what he said, in his swearing, it was all about him. So let a man examine himself to see if you're self-centered or you are in interested in others. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Say, so let him examine himself. Now in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. See, not all Christians that you will run into are really in the faith. The righteousness of God is revealed where? Anybody tell me? It's not revealed by reading the Bible. It's not revealed by going to church. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So you and I have a measure of faith. To every man is given a measure of faith, Paul says. Now, with that measure, we are to begin. We are to progress. And God will take you from one measure of faith, like this right here is where we are, or where you are, to this measure of faith. So you will find that when he brings you to another place, you will look back and you'll say, it is impossible, it would be impossible for me to do this myself. I could never go from this place to this place because of what has transpired in your life, walking with him, obeying him. In between faith and faith, this measure of faith and a greater measure of faith, the righteousness of God is revealed. You start to see things related to the Lord, 
You start to see things related to yourself. You, you see things related to the scriptures, but mainly you're going to see the righteousness of God. That is where it's going to be revealed for us, from faith to faith. So in here, verse 5, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Are you moving with the Lord? Am I moving with the Lord? Uh, am I interested in going further than I have today? Examine myself. Am I in the faith? Am I where I need to be? Uh, have I left off certain things in my life, according to uh, the moving of the Spirit within me? Have I gone in a direction and done certain things? Not willingly, maybe, at first, but we knew it was right, so we did them. Am I going on with the Lord? And my in faith, because we can stop at any time. We can stop where we are. You know that? And I believe that if you stop, you don't progress any longer. You start to go the other way. And I, I think that's really why the Lord continues to challenge us. There's always something in our lives. You, you notice that, don't you? Always something comes. You know, whether it's something small or maybe something bigger. But we'll have to deal with certain things. Now remember, even if you're not a Christian, you have to deal with certain things. That's the way life is. But when you give control of your life to Christ, he now brings certain things into your life for a reason. And he will bring into your life the very thing that you do not want and you do not like. I'm, I'm sorry, that's the way it is. If you're, if you're serious about work, walking with the Lord, if you're serious, that will be the way it goes. So now, will I have faith in him to go to the next spot, the next place, the next level? Or will I say, well, you know, I'm just going to back off and, you know, maybe I'll just go my own way for a while. Well, usually the, go, the, the, the for a while is a long while. So the Lord will bring things our way, and he will test our faith. For the trying of your faith works patience or endurance. So we would never, ever be able to endure this Christian walk. And it takes endurance if our faith would not be tried. So that's why certain things come our way. And we're tried. Now, in my experience, and I, I think that I've seen other people, the same, same thing, where they go through certain things for a while, and then there is a lull in the action, so to speak, where things just kind of, you know, where you're not dealing with all kinds of things, and things settle down. And then it's time the Lord, you know, he says, oh, not time to call them up a little higher. And so he brings something else, something, maybe something small, maybe a test. It could be anything. It could be the very thing that you said you would never, ever do. Or a place you said, I will never, ever go. And there it comes. Well, why does the Lord do these things? Well, he has your best interest at heart. And unless we have a revelation from God and understand, not with our head, but in our spirit, Understand that the Lord wants to take us further and deeper and higher, then we'll, we'll just kind of give up or we'll just flounder around. 
you know, I didn't get I didn't get anything out of that church service. Well, maybe because you didn't put anything into it. When you're young, okay, you go to church, you get things out of the service. You go there for that reason. When you get older, you sit there and you say, okay, Lord, use me to minister. And you find out that many times your bread will come through ministering to others. So examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith, Paul says. Test yourselves. Take the uh, spiritual thermometer out, shake it, put it in your mouth, see if you're 98.6, see if you're a normal Christian or you're sick. You have a 102 temperature. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? What a thing to say. You mean to tell me we can be disqualified? Yes, the Bible teaches that. Teaches that. Unless indeed you are disqualified. Now let's turn to Revelation. Revelation 20. This is, you know, Paul says, if we would judge ourselves, what? Finish, somebody finish that for me. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So in Revelation 20, you see the ultimate examination of lives. lives. Verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. I don't even know what that means. I guess that even the natural elements, because of the face of God, the glory of God, that, that it, just, it just has an effect on everything. You know, we can't comprehend how the glory of God can have an effect on the physical world. But if you look in Genesis 1, 1, 2, I think it's, where the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And he started to create all what we see in the physical uh, realm by the Spirit of God. And so here he says that the heavens and the earth fled away from his face. I mean, that would be pretty... Could you imagine that? Could you imagine standing before this holy God, having the blackness and darkness of sin, a life of 50, 60, 70 years of wickedness, all there in front of God, in front of this pure face, this pure throne of God. And there was, no, there was found no place for them. Verse 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works. Wow. See, that's something that's not preached much. In, in uh, People in the world, I believe they know there's coming a, a time of reckoning, time of judgment. But many people have never even heard this before. They will be judged according to their works, by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were, and they were judged, each one according to his works. So remember that whether you are a Christian or you are not a Christian, there are still works that come out from the individual. The Greek word works means a thing done. So you have 
in Christianity, there are works that come out from your life, or as Jesus and Paul mention and write, there are good works. So we are to have good works proceed out from us with those who have not been saved, those who do not know Christ. They will be judged according to their works. See, they will have works, and their works will be visible. All the things that they did in their life that was wicked and evil and hurtful and harmful, all these different things that they've done and said, now will be represented by what they have become or how they appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Or excuse me, excuse me, the white throne judgment. They're going to appear there according to their life, how they were all their life. And there's not going to be anything to hide them. There's a scripture in Revelation somewhere where they cry out for the rocks to cover them because of the one who is coming, Jesus. Verse 14, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Chapter 21, verse 27, but there shall by no means enter, enter it, meaning the um, New Jerusalem, anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. So this is the ultimate examination where the, the Lord is sitting upon this white throne and all of mankind, all of men, who, who everyone who has ever lived, billions upon billions upon billions of people, those who have rejected Jesus Christ and rejected the gospel, have never known him, will come up before the throne and they will be examined. And the books were opened, their hearts, their lives were opened. Now everybody sees. You can't hide. You can't hide what you've done. You can't hide what you said. You can't hide what you thought. You can't hide what you are. There's nowhere to hide. All Every person, everything, open to the eyes of the one with whom they will have to deal with. And it's all over. It's all over. Very, very scary thing to even think about. You know, people uh, are very belligerent, uh, very, um, what's another word I'm looking for here, arrogant in their ways and in their life and in their thinking, And they say, well, I don't believe that that will happen. I don't believe in heaven and hell. I don't believe there's a God. And as one individual has said, I I don't see him. I don't believe him. Well, you you don't see gravity, but you jump off the top of this building, you'll find out that it will have an effect on your body whether you believe it or not. It's going to pull you down. You're going to splat. There you are like a little... Tomato, splat on the ground. That's gravity. That's the force of gravity. Now you're dealing with the force, almighty God, who created all the natural forces and all uh, 
the physical planets and everything, everything on earth. You know, they're going to be standing there before him. Now let's turn to Romans 14. We're going to come back to 2 Corinthians in a minute. Well, doesn't that really make you feel very blessed that you won't have to stand before the white throne at that judgment time? You know how blessed you are? Really blessed. You won't stand there. But we will have our own reckoning time before that. And many times Christians live their life as though this time of reckoning will never come. They live their lives in a way in which that is pushed off. As one person said, well, I'll deal with things later. I'll deal with them then. Well, that's okay to say that now. But it shows me the total lack of vision, and it shows me that there is a spot of rebellion or maybe even some pride in the individual's heart. In Romans 14, verse 10, But why do you, do you judge your, your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this phrase, we shall stand, that's, these three words are translating a Greek, one Greek verb. And that Greek verb is in the future tense. So when we read Revelation 20, Revelation 20 is talking about a future thing after everything is wrapped up on this planet and all mankind, they're brought from the dead. They're brought there, of course not willingly, but they're going to be brought there to stand before God in the future. This particular passage here, we shall stand, is future tense. And how we appear there will determine reward and position for all eternity. So this stuff is very serious. The Christian walk, sometimes with people, they don't take things as serious as they should take them. Saying, I'll do this, I'll do what I want here, and I'll face it later, they have no idea what they're saying. There is no revelation of the Spirit, from the Spirit of God, of this particular place and this particular judgment, this examination. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So we'll come back to verse 12 in, in a little bit. But the word stand here means exhibit or to present. We shall present. What is going to be presented? You're not going to say, well, Lord, I did this, I did that, I went to Bible school, I did this work for you, that work for you. No, that's not what's going to be presented there. The Lord's not going to hear any of that. It's, you wouldn't be able to say it. A Christian's not going to be able to just speak what they want to speak. Because the glory of God is going to be, Jesus, was going to be so powerful. Remember, the three apostles, Peter, James, and John, they couldn't even stand in the presence of Jesus when he was transfigured. They, they, it was just beyond anything that they've ever experienced. And they just, they couldn't even get up off the ground. Paul, the same thing on the road to Damascus, same thing. 
He saw the glory of Jesus Christ, and he was just, Lord, what do you want me to do? He knew something was up. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Okay, now I'll talk to you. But it wasn't, you know what? Didn't I do all these things for you, Lord? There, no, he was on the ground with his face in the dirt, I believe. Not, well, I'm going to ask the Lord about this, because I was always wondering. No, that's not even going to enter into the picture. Because the emanation of the glory of God in Jesus Christ is not, any question that we could ever have is not going to matter. Anything that we ever did is not going to matter. Nothing's going to matter. The only thing that's going to be in the forefront is how we appear at that time in that place. So all our Bible knowledge, all the scriptures that we did or didn't, you know, memorize, all the times we went to church, all the good works we did, now that's all fine. That, that plays a part, and I'll hopefully get to that. But none of that's going to be in the forefront here because the Lord is not going to be looking at that. He is going to be looking at the Christian. John in Revelation talks about these flaming eyes of fire of Jesus. Nothing's going to be said. Nothing. And the Lord can look into your life even now. Have you ever been maybe in a church service and the presence of the Lord came upon you in a powerful way and you just were, you were enjoying it, but yet you knew the Lord was touching you? Now, did you start asking him all kinds of questions? Did you say, do you remember what I did last week? No. The flaming, fiery eyes of Jesus Christ will be able, so to speak, to look right through or right into the person, and he will see what each one has become, what they have become. Now, we're going to come back to this. Now, let's turn to 2 Corinthians 5. Now, I have a, a translation of this verse from Charles Hahn that he translated this verse in Greek. And I actually wrote it in my Bible because I, I think it's really good. And um, I'll read that in a little bit. But this is 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. We, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, the word must. What does the word must? I didn't look the word must up. I didn't look it up. That means that it's a sure thing, right? Isn't that true? Something that's going to happen. This word, this is very interesting. This word is present tense active voice. So there's something going on in this, this the phrase the judgment seat of Christ is only mentioned two places in the Bible. Romans and Corinthians. The one, it's in the future tense. This one, this word in there is present tense. Now, we know that in the future, we will actually stand before the judgment seat of Christ, right? And that's what the Bible teaches. We will stand before him, just like all the dead who will stand before the white throne. We will stand before him in the future. But now this adds a completely different dimension 
to the judgment seat of Christ. So something is going on here in the present. And the active voice means that the subject, who's the subject here? Let's look. Verse 10, for we must. We is the subject. So we is we. The subject performs the action. That's what the active voice means, the subject. We perform an action. We must all appear, present tense. It's present tense. Do you get this? Something is going on now, here. Because the Lord does not want you and I to live our life pushing all this off into the future. And then when we get there, now we have this reckoning because now we had all these years of our life where we could have walked with him and where certain things could have been taken out of our life and replaced with other, other things, the character of Christ. But now we're there, it's too late. Now we face the future thing. So the Lord wants to do something now, here and now, to prepare us for the future judgment seat. So he comes and we must all now appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So he's watching our lives. He's watching us. And he's going to work in our lives in order to take certain things out and to bring certain things in so that whenever we go to the judgment seat of Christ's future, that is taken care of. He doesn't want us to appear there the way we are here. He wants certain things taken care of now. That's why I believe this word is in the present tense. He's working now. Not everything is... Christians want to push everything off to heaven, everything off to the future. This was a big thing years ago. You get saved. You get filled with the Holy Spirit. You're used in the gifts. You wait for the rapture. And you go to heaven. And that was the, the whole scheme. That was what basically was taught in a lot of churches. That, that's the whole thing of Christianity. It's all you need. That's what's going on. Well, there's a lot more going on than that. So we must all appear. And that, that means uh, the word appear is manifest, uh, be manifest, uh, be visible, or things will be apparent. The Lord will show you something in your life, and he will make it very apparent to you. Why? Well, because he wants something to change there. And he'll make sure that you see it. So now you see it, then that's the first step as we looked at last week, 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we all with open face, unveiled face, unveiled heart. See, that's the first step. And then the changing from glory to glory. This goes right along with 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with open face or unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are, are changed or being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. See, that, that's why the judgment seat of Christ is present too, not just future. 
so that you can be changed from glory to glory here and now. The opportunity is here and now, not when we're standing before the Lord, it's done. It's now, it's here. So we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So it, it matters what we do, whether it's good or bad. It, it matters. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. How many see the terror of the Lord? If a person sees the terror of the Lord, they will say, I'm going to go straight. I'm going to, I'm going to walk with him. You know, I'm going to, to you know, allow the Lord to fulfill his purpose in my life. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade, persuade men, but we are well known to God. So I want to read this translation from Charles Hahn. <clears throat> it is necessary for us all to be manifested before the judgment seat of Christ. It is necessary, present and future. Now, there are Christians, so you don't have to know this to allow the Lord to work in your life. You know what I'm saying? You just allow the Lord to work and things will be fine. But for those who maybe need a little encouraging, you know, okay, well, you've, you've gone through this, you've gone through that, keep on going. There's reasons for this. It is necessary for us all to be manifest before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, it's necessary. If we are ever going to have of the Spirit of God and the characteristics of Christ, it is necessary for us now to be manifest before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, so that he can... Get out what needs to get out so that that which he wants to do and accomplish today for you, for your life, for this month, this year, next year, so that all that can fall in line so that the future thing, you'll never even have to even look to that. It's not going to even matter to you because you will appear there as you are to appear. Now, we looked earlier about this evil eye. It says, if your eye be single, this is another scripture, if your eye be single, maybe it is the same scripture, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is pure, the word single is meaning pure. If your eye is pure, and we need the Lord to purify us, we need the Lord to give us this pure eye, so that when you look at someone, you're not looking at all their failures and faults and all the things that they did to you and all this other junk. You can see them as the Lord sees them, a lost soul or a Christian who needs to continue to walk with the Lord or maybe needs help or whatever. You're not looking at them with a critical you know, thing, you know, with that in your, in your heart, this evil eye. Because all that matters. All that affects who we are today, and who, will we, we, who we will become later. So your works matter. Now go back to um, Romans. In, let me just read this verse again. 
second, this is Second Corinthians 3.18 and we looked at it last week. But we all with open face. The word face means person. We all with open face. Your person, your, who you are is open. Uh, it means presence. It means, it, this was really good. It, it means visage. Visage means your expression. Your expression. So your expression comes out from who you are. My expression comes out from who I am. Or who I'm not yet, if you know what I'm saying, if, if, if the expression isn't good. So in Romans 14, now we're going back to uh, the future thing here in that verse. Now remember that word, face, visage. We all with open or unveiled face, your spirit, unveiled. What's being revealed here? This face is the expression. You see what I'm saying? Who you are. The expression out from you. What you have become in Christ. What you have not become. That's the face. The Lord wants to reveal that. So he can change it here and now. So that later, when you stand before him, you will be giving the correct expression. If you're following me. Chapter 14 of Romans and we'll just go back and read the verses again. Verse 10, but why do you judge your brother? See, if you're judging your brother, there's a problem. Or why do you show contempt for your brother? If you're showing contempt, there's a problem. Not with him, I mean, there may be, but the problem is you. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So, each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Anybody know what that word is in Greek? Very interesting word. This word in Greek is this. Logos. And one of the meanings for logos, there's various, it's a, it's a word that has different meanings. One of the meanings that you can see, it might be in the Strong's, I'm not sure. One of the meanings is expression. So each of us shall give an account, or each of us will give an expression. So when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ's future, the Lord is going to look at you. He's going to look at me, and he is going to see the expression of who I have become there before him, who you have become who you haven't become, what you haven't become, if you're not walking with him. You will give this expression to the Lord. Not that you're going to say, well, I did this, I did that, all this other stuff. That's not the expression. The expression is going to come out from who you have now become. And so the Lord will sit there and he will look and he will see the expression from your personal life toward him. You can't hide it because that's what you have become. That's what you are. That's what all these years here of walking with the Lord has produced in your life. This expression. And there are some who are going to be there. And the expression that they're going to give is not going to be 
for them satisfactory and they're not going to like what's going to come after that. So this stuff is pretty heavy stuff. So the Lord is going to look at the expression and the person who is giving the expression to the Lord is going to tell the Lord by their expression what reward is theirs, what they're able to be put into, position, how they're going to function and what they're going to function in afterward. The Lord is not going to say, well, you know, you did this, you did that, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. He's not going to go through all that, I don't believe. We're going to give the expression. He's going to see the expression. And based upon your expression, your logos, you're giving an account to him before the judgment seat of Christ. According to that, what the Lord sees from you will determine where you and I will be slotted in for all eternity. Now, to me, that is pretty heavy stuff. So that brings this whole Christian walk into a different perspective. See, it's not about church because, you know, you can come to church and still your heart not be right. You can come to church and everybody can say, oh, he's the best guy ever. I like him. He's tall. He combs his hair. You know, he just, he's the best. He lo kids love him. I'm not necessarily meaning you, anybody. The kids love him. And all along, something's going on inside that the Lord wants to change, and they're not letting him. What we become will be based not on one thing alone. Not just on your work. Reward is not going to be based upon your works alone. Your works, what you have done, what you have said, what you haven't done, according to God's will for your life, all of that together will work in the individual to produce this expression that the Lord's going to see. So he's not going to have to go back and tell you on November 15th, you did such and such, bad boy. November 16th, boy, you gave your husband the lip. On November 17th, you were just a lazy bum that day. You should just got to it. You know, the Lord's not going to go through all that. It would take all eternity to go through all that for everybody's life. You know, no, no, this is much simpler than that. So all these different things that you and I have to deal with personally and how we deal with them, uh, what we do as far as works, how we're cooperative with the Lord, how we're cooperative with other people, you know, how all these things, you know, for every life it's different. What you have to deal with and how you deal with all, all the stuff, it all is going to matter in the end because it will either produce something in you of good and better or because things were left undone, then that, I believe, affects this expression that we're going to give. We all, each of us, shall give an account, an expression of himself to God. So as I said, Revelation 20 was the, the great examination called the white throne judgment of all the dead, all the people in the world, everyone that's ever lived. 
they're going to have to be, you know, standing there, and it's the great day of reckoning, and the books are opened, and so on. But this is going to occur for us in two stages, present and future. So the present thing here is what I want to draw your attention to. Allow the Lord to work in your life today. Allow him to do what he's going to do in your life today. Just go along with the program. So when you get here, it's going to be fine. It's going to be great because you're going to stand there and you're just going to have this expression. And the Lord's going to say, oh, I see that expression. I know what I'm going to do. I know what's for you. I know where I'm going to slot you. I know what you're going to be doing. This is your reward. This is your position. Don't give me a throne. I don't really want a throne. Don't give me a mansion. I'll let you in a mansion. <laughs> that's all, to me, that's carnal. If we're looking at that, it's carnal. I don't need any of that. Now, if, if the Lord puts you on a throne, you, you'd be able to function in it somehow, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, we will all give an expression. See, so the, the things we have to go through here and now, don't let them push us push you down to the point where you say, I'm not going to, I had enough of this, you know. Or, you know, Lord, I can't take it anymore. Yes, you can. You can. Because you have the Spirit of God. He's the helper. He's the one, as it says in John, who comes alongside to help you, to guide you, to lead you, to teach you. He'll be there. I'll be with you. Don't worry about it. Well, I don't feel you with me. It's not about your feelings. It doesn't matter about it. If you're going to live your life related to feelings, forget it. If you're going to be a Christian related to your feelings, I don't feel the Lord. Well, don't worry about it. If he wants you to feel him, you'll feel him. If he doesn't, you walk by faith and not by sight. So we all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Future. And we have the opportunity today to stand present before him so that he can do what he wants to do and correct the things he wants to correct, so that when we face him in the future, all the stuff will be done. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be nice? All being done. And I believe that's what he's, he's wanting and he's moving toward in our life. Now, I'll tell you this in closing, that we have a great opportunity here because these things are not taught that I know of, in, some, in many other places. Very few hear certain things like this. Now, the reason why is because the Lord is interested in you and the Lord wants to prepare you here and now for what's coming later. So that I'm, I'm praying that there will be many, many, many in this body, in this church, that will have gone through certain things and will appear there and they will have the expression that the Lord wants and he's looking for in their life. And my prayer is that, that we would just continue walking with him and you know, finish our days here being faithful to the Lord and allowing him to work in our lives. And if, if we do, you know, when we get on the other side and we, we go through this, uh, this judgment that it's not going to be any big thing. I mean, we'll see the glory of the Lord. That'll be a big thing. But I mean, as far as, you know, the, the purity in your life, it, it, you'll, you'll be there pure and there won't be a loss. So you, you won't experience the loss. That's, that's a great thing. That's what we want to work toward. 
and move toward, not experience the loss. And, and others will be weeping and, and gnashing teeth because of lost opportunities. Can't do anything about it now because it's too late. So here's our time and here's our opportunity. And allow him to have his way in our life.